This is Free Talk Live. It is the Monday edition, and you can take control of the airwaves. Bring it whatever you want, toll free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give them away. That is freetalklive.com, so enjoy that. Plus, as you uh, well know, Free Talk Live brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Now, I was involved today, Mark, in a Free State Project-related event. Well, not specifically with the Free State Project, but with uh, a bunch of people who are members of the Free State Project, a, a number of early movers and prospective movers as well. I was in the state capital for the first time today, Concord, New Hampshire, and uh, was there because one of our listeners, Dave from New Hampshire, who calls in on a, a semi-regular basis to sort of give us updates on some of his, I guess, travels for liberty, his the th- the activism that he's been engaging in over the past several uh, several weeks and if not years on this program, and Dave was facing some, uh, he was facing a charge of some sort because. What he had done was uh, he does these silent protests where he gets a sign, some sort of a whiteboard, makes up a custom sign, and goes into a government bureaucracy. In many cases, it's a a state government bureaucracy, like here in New Hampshire, the Department of Motor Vehicles, the uh, school board, a state bureaucracy. But in this case, the case that was in question today, was his, uh, his appearance at an IRS office in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh huh. And what he had done, what he had done was he went into sort of so, somewhat duplicate what a different activist, Russell Canning, another person who lives up here in New Hampshire, is the part of the Free State Project, had done. He had gone in also, or attempted to go into an IRS office and hand them a flyer that essentially questioned whether or not it was right to work for the IRS. Now Russell never made it into the IRS office because he had announced his intentions in advance on nhfree.com to go to said office, nhfree.com is, uh, nhfree, sorry, something burning, mm-hmm. uh, nhfree.com is uh, monitored by federal agents. We know this to be the case because one of the federal agents in Russell's case had testified that they monitor the website. So Dave did not announce his intentions in advance to right. go to an IRS office. Sure, and, so they weren't waiting for him. Correct. They had no idea he was going to show up. So he just showed up with one a of sign. his signs, uh, stood in the IRS office silently, which is what he does. He's like the silent sign-holding protest guy. And an IRS bureaucrat came out and asked him to leave. He immediately began backing towards the exit, and he left. Now, apparently what he did before he left was he did hand one of the flyers to the IRS bureaucrat that he was talking to, the one asking him to leave. Mm -hmm. I say he's talking. He wasn't talking. That's why he handed the flyer, because the flyer was doing the communicating for him. So he handed this bureaucrat the flyer. Apparently, at some point, she didn't see him do this, but at some point, he also put a flyer down on another IRS bureaucrat's desk or in their area. Okay. And he left. Uh, the police were called when he was out in the hallway because she didn't ask him to leave the building. She just asked him to leave the IRS area, and the police then escorted him out. And that was it. And he thought it was over and done with until a federal agent contacted him at his home and asked to meet up with him. 
And uh, I know you say we have a call on the line. I'm not um, screening the calls here tonight, so if it's related it's to this case. Yeah. Okay. We'll go to that in a moment. Um, so the federal agent got in touch with him, said, Dave, I'd like to meet up with you. And Dave was obviously pretty cautious about all this, a little wary about this situation. And so they set up a meeting in a parking lot, sort of a neutral location, and uh, a few other people accompanied Dave to the meeting where the federal agent attempted to hand him a citation, which Dave would not take. Now, the citation was for distribution of handbills on so-called federal property. And the fine was somewhere around 120 to $150. And he didn't take it. Which forced the federal it didn't the federal agent doesn't know how to handle this stuff. I mean, when you're a federal agent and you're imbued with this authority from the state, you're used to people just doing what you want them to. Right, bowing down, kissing your ring. Right, when you cleaning off, your shoes with their tongue. When you hand them a citation, they're supposed to take the citation. Yeah, but Dave didn't take it. So apparently, uh, they mailed the citation to his house. He did finally. Uh, they did finally manage to get it to him. And on there, it said something about, well, if you um, if you don't want to pay this, I'm not sure what, exactly what the language was, but essentially it said, you can come to court and have a hearing on this citation if you aren't going to pay it. And so he elected to go to court and have this hearing, which is where I was this morning, myself and uh, a number of other uh, free staters, and as I mentioned, potential free staters. In fact, uh, we had a number of listeners, um, we had... Michael from Wisconsin, we had uh, Joy's husband from down in Georgia, uh, he came up to sort of check things out. Uh, Tim, one of our amplifiers from, uh, in fact, I think they're all amplifiers, uh, but Tim came over from Illinois. So a bunch of people just happened to also be touring the state at that time just to sort of check out New Hampshire. And so they made a point of also attending today's trial. Um, That plus there was a number of people that had been here for a few years as well. Great turnout. I'd say about 14, 15 people out on the side of the road holding signs and getting honks from people and all that sort of thing. So that's sort of the setup for um, what came next, and that was that we went into the court, the courthouse, again, federal courthouse, and it, I found it kind of interesting. There was a few minor differences between the federal courthouse, and I'd never been in a federal courthouse before today. I've been in plenty of state, local courthouses. Um, comparing it to the experience down in New London, Connecticut, the bureaucrats here were a little more friendly and a little they seemed a little more relaxed but they were actually a little more strict in regards to what they allowed you to take into the courtroom or not okay for instance in new london connecticut i was able to take my cell phone successfully into the courtroom so long as i told them i'd keep it off down here that's there's no such rule you have to you have to check your cell phones at the at the front counter really yep now how do they keep track of all those they cell don't. phones Every human being has they a cell phone, don't. right? Okay. And this is a this is what was really crappy. Um, my cell phone is not an expensive phone. When I signed up for the package, it was the free phone. Okay, so no big deal. What a surprise! Um, I had already we had already walked to Wayne. Wayne drove me today. Did they did they etch miser on it for you? That's funny. Uh, Scrooge. So we walked to Wayne's. Uh, we had uh, Wayne had driven me, so we'd walked from his vehicle several blocks away. We'd already put all of our stuff in there: the video camera, the V for Vendetta masks, and uh, all the stuff that we brought. And I still have my cell phone with me because I figured oh, they'll let me. Wait in Everyone with cell brings cell phones everywhere. And uh, they said, "No, you can't bring that in." I said, "Well, can I check this with you? Because down in New London, if you had something, you could fill out a little form." And uh, they would put that form with your item, whatever the item was that they weren't allowing in. And, and in some cases, they wouldn't, al- wouldn't allow cell phones in if they could tell that the phone had a camera. 
So that was the only exception in New London. If your phone had a camera, you wouldn't be allowed in. So Julia, my girlfriend, um, my girlfriend had um, filled out one of these forms down in New London. Now, that didn't do too much because the bureaucrats, A, don't pay attention, B, don't care. So when you go to pick up stuff, um, even though it has your name on it, they, they don't, they're not really paying enough attention to where they care. You can just say, that's mine, and, and, I'll, and then take it. But it was worse at the federal courthouse because I walked up afterwards. I said, well, I said to the guy when I was going in, well, can I leave uh, my name with you? Because that's what I'd seen them doing down in New London. I figured they'd have a simple system where I could do that. Sure, something. And he said, no. He said, you know, it's, uh, it's at your risk. Yeah. And I said, well, we he provide said, a space for you to put your cell phone. Yep. <laughs> he said, uh, well, um, you could leave your business card. And I said, OK, fine. So I took my business card. That's one of those little clam phones. So I sort of clammed the business card in between the two sides of the phone and, and said, here you go. I said, are you going to be here when uh, when we get out? And he says, um, no. And so I, I, I just at that point, I realized it was total chance as to whether or not I was going to get my cell phone back. Came out of the courtroom, and we'll get into what happened in the courtroom here in a moment. We'll bring John on to, uh, to get his experience as well, because he was there, too. Uh, but it came out of the courtroom, went up to get my cell phone, and I said, yeah, I'm here to pick up my cell phone. Even though I, uh, and I, I was holding out another business card, figuring that this was something they might have done often, was take business cards in order to identify whose phone was what, just as a courtesy. And the guy pulls out all three or four cell phones that were behind the counter for me to see and says, which one is it? Yeah, just point it out. Yep. Why, it's the gold-plated Blackberry. Yeah, I could have taken... Any one of those cell phones, even if I hadn't come in with a cell phone, I could have walked out with a cell phone that day, uh, this morning. 800-259-9231, still a little loopy, didn't get much sleep. We're going to get to John's experience here, and we'll tell you what happened with Dave in court today. Your show, you take control, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free. The Monday edition inside hour number one. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features and functions there are completely free. And that includes live streams, a broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version. Both await you at freetalklive.com. As we continue the story about what I was doing this morning. I was out in, uh, in Concord, New Hampshire, the state capital to appear in a courtroom trial. I wasn't actually appearing on the witness stand or anything. I was just there um, in, I guess, moral support. <laughs> Is that? I suppose that would have been the role of those of us who were attending. About 15 people showed up in support of uh, Dave Ridley, who is uh, the gentleman who calls in from time to time here on the show to sort of update us on his, um, on his protest that he does here in New Hampshire. And in this case, he was facing a hundred... He's a prolific protester, too. Oh, yeah. He's very busy, very active, um, awesome guy. And that's why a lot of people turned out to help out here. That's why there were 15 people Mm -hmm. of all different, you know, ages there uh, in support of him, because he is a great guy. And so he was facing a hundred-plus dollar assessment or citation, I believe was the word, for distributing handbills on federal property. And Dave went into uh, to court today um, in front of a federal judge, to, and he didn't have a lawyer with him, which, as we're going to discuss, probably hurt him. Uh, but he, he tried to take on the case himself, and it didn't work out so well. It didn't work out terribly in that he's still walking around as a semi-free man like the rest of us. But, uh, and so he's not in jail, but he didn't win. And I want to bring John on here from New Hampshire. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark, just to kind of get your um, 
your assertion of what went on this morning here, because you were probably a little more lucid than I was. Well, I don't know about that. You hear me? Yeah, we got you. Hi, guys. Hey. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned just to start with the human interaction at the courthouse, even though it's a federal building. Um, it's interesting what happens here in New Hampshire, and I've noticed it from the from the DMV to the offices of, you know, just in the town offices. Mm-hmm. People here uh, have a certain respect. For the citizens are the people who are supposed to be in charge. Now, it's a federal building, and, you know, you can't expect all that much. But it's interesting. I think federal court in a different state uh, might be a little bit different. I think you may be right about that, I, I, though I have no base of comparison. So, uh, to be fair, we should probably just move on to exactly... Uh, what had occurred. Essentially, there was was actually sort of an interesting case before Dave's case. Um, There wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of people in that courtroom that had to, you know, appear before the judge. So we didn't have to wait a long time. Um, Like, they they tried to screw with us down in New London. They might have wanted to get us out of there. Yeah, that didn't Um, happen. In fact, the point of my call is not specific to Dave's case, because I'm sure that we're going to spend some time on that. I'm hoping Dave will call in and others. Mm-hmm. What I, what, the specific of my call is something that I mentioned uh, in relation to what happened down in Connecticut, what I call the subtle brutality, where they moved the docket. You know, they messed with us. Yeah. They, they told us it wasn't going to happen until 2. And I, and I was saying at that point, you know, when people read this in the paper, all they're going to read is case continued. Mm-hmm. They're not going to know what went on inside that courtroom. That's why we're here. What happened today, where I uh, associate it with the subtle brutality, was one of the cases that came before Dave. Yeah. Um, I believe it was the first case of the day. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, when, the, when the day opens in federal court, they read a list of who's supposed to be there, and uh, they quickly go down the list, and if you're not there and didn't stand up, then they issue a warrant for your arrest. Right, which is what happened with uh, Russell Canning when he was supposed to appear. They issued a warrant. That's a different case because in this case, they went down the list, they issue warrants for these people's arrest. I assume they go out immediately onto the Internet, onto every law enforcement, you know, throughout the world probably now. And actually what had happened, there's a fellow who had been camping in an inappropriate area. And his wife was there to answer the charges. Mm -hmm. And they had actually called a number, which is a federal number, and the judge was saying, well, that's that's down in Texas, as if it had nothing to do with him. Well, it's the damn federal number that they're supposed to call. And the guy did. And all they had done is probably camp in a wrong area. Yeah, some some sort of federally protected land or something like that. Yeah, so it's probably just a damn mistake. and, And they didn't mean any harm, and they weren't even fighting this. So the woman comes, and they had called the number, and uh, the, the dealers, you know, the husband and wife can't both take the same day off, and they went into court to try to, you know, resolve the right. matter. And the wife had made that clear to the judge that, uh, you know, my husband couldn't make it. She wanted to enter a plea for both of them as, as guilty, accept whatever fine it was that he was going to hand out, pay it, and, and move on with her life. That was now, her plan. In fairness to him, he did say, you know, I, I have a real hard time accepting a plea from somebody who's not here. But the prosecutor did agree, you know, this is an agreement that we have, and we can resolve this matter here and today. Here's, you know, whatever it is, the little assessment. And you know, like I said, these people aren't fighting it. A young 
you know, the, the woman was young. I, I imagine the husband's probably the same age. Mm -hmm. But my thinking when I leave the courtroom is this poor fellow has probably a federal warrant out on his ass. And someday down the road, maybe five, ten years from now, he gets pulled over on a speeding ticket. And oh, all of a sudden, be. Homeland Security, here we go. Yeah, that didn't the guy's say, got a federal warrant for an arrest. It didn't sink in on me. In the, um, until later, that's because subtle brutality. Well, they had called, the, and it's also not only was it subtle brutality, but it was also just uh, subtle um, ignorance and stupidity on the part of the bureaucrats. Because what they did was they called the names of the people that were supposed to be there, and three out of the three names weren't there. So the judge ordered uh, warrants out on their arrest. But then this woman comes up and essentially says, "Well, my husband called. I'm here to plead guilty for the both of us." And the prosecutor then uh, said, for, well, for expediency's sake, can we just go ahead, we're just going to go ahead and drop the charges on the husband since he wasn't there to plead guilty because the, the judge just couldn't accept a plea from somebody that wasn't in his courtroom. Which is fine. Right. And, I give him, and I give him a lot of credit for doing that. My concern is, is the meat grinder and the subtle brutality. Right, well, they and dropped the charges. The See, they what dropped the charges, and then they never rescinded the warrant for his arrest. Right, and then, and then five or ten years from now, we right. read in the paper that so-and-so was arrested on, as a fugitive from justice on a federal case. John, we're Sounds running like short on time, my man. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Dave's case here before we, uh, we head out. John? Okay. Yeah, your thoughts on Dave's case. On, uh, Dave I did a know, wonderful right. job. Dave... Um, started his arguments with reading the First Amendment to the judge, which, which the judge agreed to, and then there was some discussion about that and how there's, you know, the so-called, you know, you can't cry uh, fire in a theater or whatever. That's, I guess, a metaphor for, you know, there's restrictions on speech. And then Dave brought up the Tenth Amendment, where, you know, if it's not handed off to the federal government, the federal government has no rights. Right. He the was judge just... seemed to be in agreement, but yet... When pushed, and the judge has a fairly decent reputation as standing up for the Constitution. He had an okay demeanor. He was certainly better than the New London judge was. And, uh, Ian, I, I, yes, it sir. seems to me that when push came to shove, the guy was not willing to back the Constitution. He said, appeal it. I'm going against the Constitution. Yep, and he you did. can try to appeal it. We'll give you the details coming up. And, John, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 1 800 259 9231. More on the way on what exactly happened with Dave in court this morning, because it wasn't so great. In fact, uh, as he pointed out, the judge ruled against the Constitution. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The listener map awaits you. Over 1,700 people have added themselves to said listener map, and you can do that as well. Or you can just surf it and see who else is listening to Free Talk Live. Head over to map.freetalklive.com to experience that for free, like everything else on our site, map.freetalklive.com. What does a person who's been called aggressively nonpartisan sound like? A lot like a libertarian, sometimes. Check out Common Sense with Dan Carlin and see why he thought the Free Talk Live audience would respond to his ad. Get the pod podcast at iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. That's dancarlin.com. 
That's right. It is your show. You bring up anything. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. As we continue to discuss uh, the federal court trial that I attended this morning, it wasn't a trial for me. It was a trial for uh, Dave in New Hampshire, who calls uh, calls the show from time to time. He, do- he engages in some very creative protests, and one that he engaged in at, uh, at an IRS office got him in a little bit of hot water, uh, where a... Um, a federal agent approached him, handed him a citation, or attempted to hand him a citation, for distributing handbills on federal property. Now, Dave came into court this morning and attempted to point out um, to the judge, who you could tell just by the look on this judge's face, that he was essentially humoring Dave. Like, it probably wouldn't have mattered what Dave said. He would have walked out of that courtroom with a $125 fee, as he did. There might have been an opportunity for him to snake out of it if he'd had a lawyer involved or if he had... Um, but the lawyer would have cost significantly more than $125. Perhaps not. I was told that there were a couple of um, free stater lawyers that were looking at maybe taking the case pro bono mm-hmm. and may still, should he decide to appeal. But anyway, what essentially happened was Dave went up, as John pointed out in the last segment, he um, read the First Amendment in front of the judge because of the whole petitioning clause, which we talked about over the weekend Mm -hmm. uh, with the We the People organization in in the midst of a court trial to determine what this means, this final section of the First Amendment that says that you have the right to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, I think Dave asked a number of good questions when he was up there. He asked if this was indeed the supreme law of the land. Does the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, trump all other laws. And the judge sort of tacitly admitted that, yes, it does, but then also said that uh, these other laws are reasonable. These laws that prohibit speech on government property are right. they reasonable. Go and they take the Constitution, which is unreasonable, <laughs> and they make it reasonable. Right, and he used the excuses the judge used were absolutely uh, despicable. He suggested that they're reasonable and necessary because of security concerns. Now, how it is that speech laws have anything to do with security at a government Mm -hmm. agency, I'm not sure. And how it is that uh, Dave was a security threat is another question entirely, because he clearly wasn't. He's a a pretty friendly-looking dude. Well, I can can see to some extent what's being said by the judge. Um... First off, you have to live, uh, you have to think from the point of view that everything the government is doing at this point is legitimate and reasonable. Yes, that was the judge's point of view. Well, yeah, and one has to be at that point of view. So first, the IRS makes perfectly good sense. We need the IRS. The IRS is right, true, just, mm-hmm. and honorable. Okay, now if um, people were allowed to protest, you know, the American people were allowed to protest completely unhindered um, in any way, mm-hmm. Then it, you know a bunch of dirty hippies could uh, conceivably surround every IRS agent's desk and scream at the top of their lungs, "Hey ho, um, the the man has got to go!" And sure. uh, you know uh, release doves and uh, picket signs <laughs> and basically make a nuisance of themselves. Yeah. Like, how could I talk if I was an IRS agent? How could I talk on the telephone if all he could hear was, Kumbaya, my yeah. lord. <laughs> you know, and, and the crap that these I people would... I think that'd would, be great. <laughs> right, right, you do. Right. But you're coming from the point of view that the IRS should not exist, right. should not be able to operate. So he's not coming from there. Mm-hmm. Where, where you have to be coming from, and this doesn't make him, uh, you know, an impartial judge, by the way. 
is that um, you know the the IRS makes perfectly good sense. Yeah. So now Dave wasn't doing anything to um, hinder the operation of the IRS. Not at all. But it's a slippery slope, my friend. Ah, uh, yes. If we, we you let one silent protester in, and then soon pretty the soon the office will be filled with people. Pretty soon you got 150 silent protesters in there. They're drinking all the water out of the bubbler bubbler machine. They're using the bathroom. They're not wiping the that toilet. That would be a very interesting uh, protest you've come <laughs> up with, Mark. Let's take it to an extreme. What drinking they, all the water? Would they cite all 150 people? I think they wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to identify all 150 people. Nope. One of the only reasons why they were able to identify Dave You've got to make sure you because these... he wrote about it on uh, the Keen Free Press. He wrote an article about his experience, and then a day and a half later, they came after him. Now, the reason, now the problem with, uh, with what you're talking about there is getting 150 people and getting them all on board for the same thing. Oh, yeah. 15 because would be more if you get, um If you get somebody in there that, uh, for whatever reason, doesn't want to be quite as nonviolent as Dave was, mm, you'd get pretty a soon there's a scuffle, yeah. and then everybody's got a big problem. It was a riot, right. you know? I mean, essentially, that's how they're going to the, paint the whole thing. So here's the other way he spun this. Uh, as Dave pointed that's out... The ge- but I, I'm sorry, before, um, before you go on. That's the genius of Dave's um, protests is he does what they say. He leaves when he asked. He leaves when asked. He does it a little slowly, but he does what's said. They can't um, accuse him at any point of being, uh, you know, like a rioter or uh, some deviant, you know, some, something bad. They can't really right. do that. Um, whereas if, you know, the, the wrong person doing a protest sure. should certainly be um, painted with that brush. There's no way you could paint what he did uh, with a negative brush. Anyway, he got up and uh, pointed out the First Amendment, and the judge said, "Well, yes, you uh, you have plenty of places where you." I I suggest I he actually the judge said, "I'm up here defending the Constitution every day." <laughs> the judge made that claim, mm-hmm. and he said, "You, uh, I encourage you to go out and ex- exert your First Amendment rights. Uh, you can go right out here in front of this courthouse and do it." And he you know gave a few examples of areas where you could do it. And he said, "This is uh, an area where you can't do it." Yeah. And he said, he, and then he used the fire in a crowded theater excuse I, as to wondered, why there are as to why it's okay for the government to place restrictions on free that's speech. That's something that everyone understands. They get it. That right. if you um, yelled fire um, in a crowded theater, that that's why he used there it. There could be people um, stampede. I wonder what can I yell fire in a like mostly vacant theater? <laughs> I mean, is that going to be a problem? Unfortunately, Dave um, obviously had a, lot, <clears throat> had a lot on his mind, and he didn't realize to say, you know, to, to shoot back maybe, well, I understand where you're coming from, Judge, but that's private property. What we're talking about and is causes damage. Property. Like, if you go and yell fire in a crowded theater, the thing is, is um, if, you, if you yell it and no one reacts, you're not going to get any trouble because mm-hmm. no one cared. Now, if um, you yell it and people do react... And people get hurt. You've caused damage, damage to people, damage to property, inciting a riot. And there's results for that. Um, you know, there's results for what you've done and what you've said. As opposed to Dave, protesting in an IRS office has not caused any damage. Well, now what they, you could argue that he did cause damage because um, you could argue that he littered, for instance, in the office. Um, he handed one of the the flyers to the IRS agent. Right. But he also left one on a countertop somewhere. Were they able to? Did they? Did they know that? Now they couldn't. Now here's an interesting part of the case. They actually took this to trial today. He would not plead either way. So the gun, uh, the judge entered a plea of not guilty for him and mm-hmm. took it to trial right there in the courtroom today. With a jury of his peers? There was no jury. Well, wait a minute. Here in the Constitution, it says that if he the, must have waived it, um, he didn't say he didn't object to the trial, so the trial went on. But the, 
you know, it says here in suits of common law where the value of con- of the controversy shall exceed twenty dollars, the did. right of the trial by jury shall be preserved, and no um, no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise reexamined in any court in the United States well, according to the rules of common law. I, I'm sure he'll listen to the show and consider that on his appeal. But he went ahead and and went with the trial today. But you know, they, they just the, the judges have a tendency to just forget this whole trial by jury. Oh, oh, we yeah. don't we don't do that. In this kind of oh, case. Oh, the judge lied to him, too, at a certain point. Anyway, Dave got up on the, on the stand, and that was when he was in trouble. Um, because he wanted to get up to say a few things, and then the prosecutor asked him if indeed he was, or I think it was, I think the judge asked him this. The judge asked him if he indeed did leave a flyer on this person's desk. Uh-huh. And Dave did not want to answer the question. That's when the judge lied to him and said that, well, you waived your right to um, non-response. That's not true. It's not true. He didn't waive that right. And anyway, he can always invoke the Fifth Amendment, which allows you to not respond to things. We'll tell you what happened coming up at Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control, bring up what's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's one 800 Two five nine ninety two thirty one. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give them away. But we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. Head over and order yourself some Free Talk Live t-shirts and hats. We even got Free Talk Live bowling shirts. They're there's, nice. Yeah, there's flags. Well, now, we can't say they're nice yet, though. Well, they, I've they, heard that the they're The pictures nice. of them are attractive. Johnson yeah. has gotten some of these products in already. And uh, he's preparing to ship them out. And he says that um, many of them are pretty nice. There's some minor tweaks we're going to make to the next batch. Um, but otherwise, uh, he's very satisfied with, with cool. what we've gotten. So that's all on the way. Uh, details at store.freetalklive.com. Order some stuff. And don't forget, you can also order a bunch of stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. This is for anything that's not Free Talk Live merchandise. Anything you might need to buy in life. Whether it's furniture, baby stuff, accessories, groceries, DVDs and books, all there at, at uh, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And the key is, if you enter through that link, then anything you buy at that point, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of. So it's a great way to get the stuff you need delivered to your door and help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. That is, again, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. So we're talking about uh, what happened in federal court today to one of our listeners, Dave, in New Hampshire. He was on trial for some sort of a hearing. Uh, it was a hearing that turned into a trial because he didn't say that he, he wanted to postpone it or anything like that. So it just went on today. No jury, nothing like that. And the judge got him up on the stand. What the issue was, was was he di- um, distributing handbills on federal property, which is a cent you would think should be protected free speech. And Dave tried to um, put out the idea that he was simply petitioning for a redress of grievances, as is specified in the First Amendment to the Bill of Rights, that you have this right. Right. This is supposed to be the law, the supreme law of the land. If you aren't able to uh, petition a redress of grievances on federal property by handing them a piece of paper, how, how else it, would you do it? Yeah, how, how else are you supposed to? Right. This so, isn't an issue of protesting. This is redress of grievance. Yeah, I think Dave had a good point, and he was coming from the right area. It's just the judge didn't want to have anything to do with this. And so the judge got he, him up. He was going to lose no matter what. Pretty much. There was one slight opportunity that we, we believe, after we sort of analyzed it afterwards, we all went out to lunch, uh, we, we believe there was one opportunity where he might have been able to pull something out. 
And that was when he took the stand himself, Dave took the stand himself, and the judge asked him, did you uh, put this handbill down on the desk? Because he, he had already admitted to handing one to the IRS agent. He had to. She was there to testify against him. But she took it from him, right? I mean, he he handed it, held it out, and she did take it from him. It was the other case where he left it on a countertop or something to where that was sort of like, I guess that was sort of the distribution point. Right. Where he was just sort of leaving flyers around the IRS office. And so the judge just came out and point blank asked him, did you leave this handbill on this particular desk or wherever it was that he left it? And Dave obviously didn't want to answer the question, and he made it clear that I, you know, I, I'm not going to answer that question. And that's when the judge lied to him and said, well, you're on the stand, and that means you need to give me a yes or no answer. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. The Fifth Amendment right says you have the right not to right. incriminate yourself, and it doesn't matter where you're at. Had The stand isn't magic. There's an a magic truth wand stuck right. up your butt while you're up there. You don't have to answer the judge, anything that would crim- incriminate you there. The judge claimed that he waived his right to not answer the judge by lied. getting on the stand. He did lie. Now, that's um, appeals sort of uh, grounds for an appeal right there. Now, to the judge's credit, this guy wasn't as much of a jerk as the um, the Superior Court judge. I don't down care in whether London. he's nice when he lies or not. No, Ian. no, no. Now, uh, you didn't let me finish what I was going to say. To okay. his credit. I think he sort of tacitly suggested that Dave appeal. He made it very clear that Dave could appeal, and Dave sort of took this uh, position that, well, I don't know if I want to burden the taxpayers. And the judge pointed out to him, look, these bureaucrats are getting paid regardless of whether or not you appeal or not. I mean, it's they're going to be sitting in that courtroom on, you know, the, for the next time, from time immemorial, uh, whether or not you appear in front of them. They're going to get paid. That's that's a true statement. And he pointed that out, and I think that was good, because I think it sunk in a little bit on Dave, the idea that he might want to take this a little bit further. And the judge also said, he essentially said, nobody does anything up there. He said, these guys aren't working <laughs> at the appeals court. Really? Bureaucrats so, not working? Well, yeah. He said, well, why would they? Everybody please out. The woman in front of him plead out. We didn't stay long enough to see any other cases, but everybody plead out in court. So it's very rare, I guess, that anybody bothers to appeal a decision. And so the judge fined Dave $125 and said, you can pay it at the clerk's office or you can file an appeal. Dave just left. He didn't pay. He didn't go and ask about payment. He didn't file an appeal. He just sort of left. So at this point, there's a question. The question is up in the air as to what is going to happen next. Will Dave pay the fine? I think it's probably unlikely. Will Dave appeal? He's sort of iffy on that. I'm not sure whether or not he will. We sort of in, we encouraged. I think pretty much everybody there encouraged him to appeal this because this is worth fighting. Yeah. I mean, this is about freedom of speech. And if he can get a, a free stater, a lawyer who is a free state project member, to take the case pro bono to do it for free, then why not? Right? I mean, why not? So we're going to see what will happen. I mean, it, it is it is the um, it's the forum for grievances, and yeah. grievance resolution. There's no reason that. Uh, he shouldn't be able to use that form. I realize that it's a coercive form of uh, grievance re- resolution, but so it's the, the one we've got. So it's the just, only one available. So just to recap, the bad news is Dave got the fine. The judge lied to him more than a, a couple times while he was on the stand, uh, but he's not in jail. So could have been worse, but it wasn't great either. Well, I wouldn't ter- say it's terrible. Now, um, having the Free Staters standing behind him, was that in any way, shape, or form valuable for him, other I'm than not just sure. having nice people there? I'm not sure. I think the latter. 
Um, though they did know that we were here, the judge asked a question uh, earlier um, before the trial started about is there anybody here that uh, you haven't talked to the prosecutor or whatever, and Dave said, oh, I haven't talked to anybody. And the lady who was sort of overseeing everything said, oh, well, we know you're here. <laughs> and uh, they said apparently that there was extra – some of the people that had been in that courtroom before said there were extra – I guess, federal agents around sort of following us and that sort of thing. There were a bunch of people sitting around yeah. that, that you thought were just uh, sitting in the court, but they're actually federal agents. You could tell who the agents were. They all had sport coats on. <laughs> so that was that. That was what happened this morning. Uh, we'll, ke- we'll keep you up to date. I'm sure we'll hear from Dave probably at some point this week, too. Maybe he'll have made up his mind as to what he's going to do about all this in the meantime. 800-259-9231. we got lots still to talk about here tonight. Uh, including, Mark, you've got something about, I guess, James Madison stick figure equality uh, and Britney. She's back in the news, Mark. I love Britney Spears. This time with a sex video. Oh, really? Yeah. We're going yeah. to the phones first, though. Let's talk to David in North Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, how you doing, guys? Good, David. Good, David. What's on your mind? Uh, well, first off, you know, last night, or I wouldn't say um, on your veteran reward, uh, Veterans Day thing. Yeah. Um. There was a guy calling in, and he was one of the last callers in, and he was trying to explain on how uh, we have a standing army as far as the Military Commissions Act was concerned, you know, as far as the money's requisition to keep mm-hmm. the army going. It is unconstitutional to keep a standing army. Okay. And just because it was a loophole doesn't mean that we should have a standing army. Right, just because they're able to uh, in some way get around the um, – and, and I think that he – I think that he was uh, a person that's freedom-oriented and would like to see yeah. um, the, the Army uh, at least downsized, if nothing else. But, you know, and I was, I was a little rough on him, but it's my job. I'm, I'm a radio talk show host. Right. Um, and now, but at the same time, it's, it's, just, it's not cool if they figure out a way in order to um, break the Constitution without breaking the Constitution. I'm sorry. That's not uh, what it was meant. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, sir. Will you agree that the Founding Fathers were men of power at that time and had titles and nobilities by Great Britain? I don't know. Did they? Um, I mean, most of George think Washington they'd be was rescinded. A, if I mean, if they had titles, wouldn't you think the the, the I mean, they were rescinded? set up in Parliament over on this country to deal with the stuff that was in this country and Great Britain, right? I mean. No, no. Um, the, Cons- the Constitutional Convention um, was put together by, you know, local leaders. I mean, they were important men in their local community, but no more than um, they they weren't in any way uh, given. The king didn't know him from Adam. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, right. well then that was my misconception on okay. that. I, was, I always assumed that that Benjamin Franklin was an ambassador. No. Or now he was or... an ambassador, but he was an ambassador from here to, to there. England. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Right. He wasn't uh, the All vice versa. Right. Now his but... son was a um, governor appointed by the king over a colony, okay. <laughs> which I can't remember. All right. Well, so I, all right, I missed on that point altogether. Okay. All right, uh, but it, it, would you agree that they were traitors? Traitors to England? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And would you agree that they was trying to figure out a way to keep the money in this country and not send it totally. to Great to- Britain? Sure. All right. With that being said, don't you think that the Constitution has loopholes in it to where they keep all the money and there's ways around getting around stuff. The Constitution's got loopholes all over it. It's a very, it's not a perfect document. Obviously, if it was perfect, we wouldn't be where we are today. David, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Hour number two is on the way. Sorry, man. Uh, You take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off Hour 2, Monday edition. You take control. Bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free. That's freetalklive.com. In the last hour, we just got off the phone uh, with David in North Carolina, and he was bringing up something we discussed on the Saturday night show. And that was uh, the the whole idea presented in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, I believe, Clause 12, where it specifies that the military, the Army specifically, cannot be used for a term of longer than two years, cannot be funded for a term of longer than two years. And the purpose of that um, that particular section of the Constitution was to make it clear that the Founding Fathers understood that there was not supposed to be a standing military or standing army in the United States. They understood from history that whenever a country had a standing army, the political people, the politicians, were tempted to use it for nefarious purposes. They did use it for nefarious purposes. And right. armies are expensive. Oh, they, yes. When, um, as a matter of fact, on Saturday night, uh, somebody disputed uh, that we... We had said something to the effect, you had said something to the effect that, uh, you know, people in the military are unproductive. Yes, I out, did. That they should go out and get, um, that, you a know, real instead job. of being used in the military, they should go out and get real jobs and be productive citizens. Where they're creating a product or service. Um, now, one could argue that uh, the military is used to produce freedom, but we were inv- arguing against that very point. And that's the only thing you can really say that they produce. The Army's job is to kill people and break things. And that's what they'll tell you in the Army. Mm-hmm. It's to blow crap up. That's why the military-industrial complex is such a profitable business, because talk about a short product lifespan. Yeah. Essentially, you take their products out and you blow them up. Yep, and buy more. And buy more of them. <laughs> and you use them, the, blow, the blowing up products to blow up other people's products in, from other places mm. so that you know, at some point or another, we sold them to them, too, in most cases. And then you can uh, hire somebody to rebuild those countries right. as well, make some money there. So that's very, very profitable for the military-industrial complex. And it's soldiers, no. Producing something, no. Sorry, they don't. Yeah, they don't produce freedom. You, you can make that claim, but there's absolutely nothing to back it up. Freedom is the natural state of order. Um, it's possible that a military could indeed protect freedom if it was under threat of attack from another uh, from another country. For instance, if the Red Chinese decided to get on a bunch of boats and come over here and attack the United States, and we had the military and they defended against the Red Chinese, in that case, yes, they would be defending freedom. However, uh, is that really necessary? Well, some would argue yes. I would argue that the uh, that a voluntary force of militias would be more than enough to uh, to rebuff any sort of uh, any sort of enemy, but that's a whole other conversation. What we were pointing out on Saturday night was that there has been no instances in the last hundred years of the United States military actually being used for defensive, freedom defending purposes. And nobody could really effectively rebut that. No, because um, it's ir- it's irrefutable. Well, there there's the um one can certainly go after the uh the Asian theater, the uh, Pacific theater, um, World War 2. That's 
the best yeah, yeah, okay, foothold they, they they'd have. Um, they could. And, yeah. But that's after we were meddling. I mean, we had already begun meddling at that point, and, and, the, the, and Roosevelt was jockeying for a legacy. So, and um, one could make the, uh, you know, they, so, so we're talking about in the last hundred years, one war, half of a war, as a matter of fact, that um, was legitimate for the United States to be in. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, how many have we been in? And what I love... Uh, Wars and undeclared ones. One of my favorite parts of uh, of Saturday Night Show was hearing a so-called conservative, and they love doing this. Whenever we hold their feet to the, uh, to the flame on the Constitution, and it doesn't matter if it's the war issue or some other constitutional violation on their part, I love it when they pull out the excuse of, well, they, they did it back in the 1800s. Uh, uh, we said, well, why aren't we declaring wars anymore? Well, we haven't declared a war since blah, blah, blah. Well, oh, that makes it okay since some president before your lifetime did it and broke the Constitution. That makes breaking the Constitution completely acceptable in your mind? What happened to you people? I thought that you were conservatives and concerned with the Constitution and rule of law and all of that. Apparently, it, it doesn't matter. As long as what the government's doing is, uh, as long as it's their people that are doing, that are breaking the Constitution, then it's okay in their minds. And so we tried reading some quotes from a, a few founding fathers. James Madison was one of them, uh, the author of the Constitution. We read some quotes from him to, to point out to these disbelievers that essentially this was the point that the, the founding fathers were making, that they did not want a standing military. They did not want a standing army. And I read some quotes to try to back that up. They just summarily dismissed them. But I guess somebody else had something to say about James Madison, right? Well, um, Jipper Lee writes in, I couldn't help but notice that you used Madison, that a Madison quote on uh, Saturday's show and how war is the enemy of liberty written in 1795. Well, what he says is true. I cannot help but notice one unusual factor about the man who spoke it. He was a war hawk. Mm. Now, let me rephrase that. He was the original war hawk. He started the War of 1812, um, after he made this uh, particular uh, statement, a war that solved nothing, and in the end, there was no land gained. Not that we should have necessarily gained land in the war. I mean, that wasn't really the point of it. And the White House burned down to the ground because of it, and York, which um, then, you know, now Toronto, then York, burned to the ground equally because of manifest destiny. Hmm. Now, argue what you want against manifest destiny. The United States wouldn't be the size that it is today if it wasn't for manifest destiny. I don't, I mean, the world, essentially you're arguing for a world that's so completely different. Um, I argue against imperialism, the uh, hege hegemony mm -hmm. that we are going through now. Is that manifest destiny? To some extent, it's the same kind of concept. But to argue against it then, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, to me, it leaves me in a world that's so far removed from the one that I'm in now that I don't know what to think about. So he's pointing out that Madison wasn't uh, a principled guy. Right. Um, or he and, lost his principles. Or, or something like that, which... Well, yeah, Madison wasn't principled, and um, then again, neither was Jefferson. It doesn't make the quote any less relevant. No, it doesn't. Um, and these are the founding fathers, and they have re and they have relevance. I could say the same thing Madison said, and it's just some you know young radio talk show host on very few stations blabbing. You know, I think that the point that Jipperly is making here is also interesting in that it shows how power corrupts. I mean, maybe Madison was a really principled dude back in the late 17, 1700s 
which is when those quotes, uh, when he made those quotes. Right. Maybe he was really a principled guy and understood liberty and understood that a standing military was dangerous. And then when he finally got the reins of power, he couldn't resist. You know, maybe even he, even he who had principles, couldn't resist using the military in the way that he wanted to use them. And, I mean, that should speak volumes for how dangerous it is to give regular people power, to give anybody power. We just need to uh, take the power away from this government. Because if it can corrupt a principled guy like James Madison, well, it can corrupt a Michael Badnarik, it can corrupt a Harry Brown, it can corrupt a Mark. Um, well, it, it's uh, power. I already You shouldn't give me that, that amount of power. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, We're going to keep you on the city council and let you go no further. Right. You know, I mean, I, I should be watched closely when it comes to that mm-hmm. amount of money. I it just should. Um, but Thomas Jefferson, not... Not altogether principled. He sent uh, he sent our incipient navy on its mm-hmm. first foray against uh, um, the Barbary pirates right. uh, after you know making this statement: peace and abstinence from European interferences are objectives, and so will continue with the present order of things in America remain uninterrupt, inter- uninterrupted. Basically, were the Barbary pirates from Europe? They were um, Africa, but w- they were See, affecting the excuse, European trade, uh. and it was one- and our trade, and that was one of the reasons why we went over there. Hmm. They were affecting our trade with Europe. My yeah. God, we have to stop that. Well, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Same with uh, Adams. Um, you know, he this was the guy. This was essentially the founding father, the founding father. He was the brother, excuse me, cousin of. Um, Samuel Adams, who, mm. you know, started the Sons of Liberty, he was um, in the Second Constitutional Convention. He's been there the whole way through. John Adams had. Um, he was from Boston, birthplace of liberty, and this is the guy that gave us the Alien Sedition Act. Well, none of the founding fathers were perfect. None of them were. Power They're people really does affect these yeah. people. And Lord Acton said, "Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts." It's absolutely. difficult for humans to imagine. The way that we can they, that problems can be solved by the marketplace. That's why especially we're when you're in charge. That's why we have a nightly brainstorming session on that very thing here on Free Talk Live. You take control. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight toll free line for you. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Your show. You bring up whatever you want. Toll free. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight toll free line for you. For all of your voice over IP needs, head over to packet8.net, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free. The bulletin board system included. Over 140,000 posts await you. Lots to talk about. Lots of people to interact with as well. All free. bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. Well, we were talking about uh, having a standing army and I'm thinking, well, we can continue on this war topic, because I've got something about Fallujah, or we can talk about Britney Spears. Oh, I want to talk about Britney Spears. <laughs> now, this is unusual, right, Mark? Because we haven't talked about um, anything pop culture in a long, long mm. time. And the reason why I brought up Britney Spears a few days uh, a few days ago on the show was because she's looking at getting a divorce, and I kind of brought it up as a morality tale for young people out there to suggest that, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't get married in your early 20s. Eh, just an idea. Maybe you shouldn't be like Britney Spears and uh, get married at 21 just to get divorced for the first time at 23. Her marriage lasted two years. And she is now, uh, I believe, 20, yeah, she's 24. And according to News of the World, 
uh, in the United Kingdom. Apparently, superstar Britney Spears is facing a mega divorce payout because she did it again and again and again on a honeymoon sex video. Dumped husband Kevin Federline has been touting the four-hour tape for sale, and it has already been offered and has already been offered 26 million pounds. Wow! A film company. 26 million? Yeah. Well, Kevin Federline will never work again if he gets 26 million. Right. A film company wants to make it available online to fans around the world. Pounds. Yep. One close pal said, quote, this vid is dynamite and Kevin knows it. And the news of the world can also reveal that Britney slapped divorce papers on Federline, who had caught, had already been linked with hookers after she caught him in a bedroom with another woman. So essentially, the way this sounded when uh, we first reported on it, it sounded like it was going to get nasty. Yeah. And it is. Well, he's got, uh, allegedly, he's got a blackmail tape at this point. Well, but he's in big trouble with his blackmail tape. Why? Well, because um, if he sells it, and makes the money, then she sues him for, um, it, it, you can pretty much, in any court of law in the mm-hmm. world, will will uh, uh, make a, um, will, will punish a spouse that cheats. Okay. Financially. Yeah. Um, in family law, you know, essentially she can, she can get that money. I see what you're saying. I think she might have some trouble, but she's got the lawyers to do it. Mm. So he's not going to benefit in the way that he would hope to. If he releases it. Well, now, he's holding it back in hopes that he will win the custody of his kids. Apparently, Brittany... Why would he want the custody of the kids? I don't know. He loves okay. his kids. Well, good and for him. Maybe he thinks that Brittany's a lousy mom, and maybe, maybe she, she is. is. Brittany, 24, fears the raunchy, raunchy footage will destroy her wholesome image. <laughs> Brittany, uh, your image has been right, destroyed. It's right. Uh, you, you were 16 when your wholesome yeah. image was destroyed. You're, no, she, was six, she was wholesome for about a year. Yeah. And then she started uh, turning into a dirty little girl, and now she's been knocked up twice. So there's nothing wholesome she's, about. She was Brit- married when she was knocked right. up. Right. Nothing wholesome nothing though about uh, about Britney Spears. Anyway, she's afraid of this, and unless she caves in for his demands for a 16 million pound payoff and custody of their children, Sean Preston and Jaden James. So he's looking for cash from her in the divorce and custody of the kids. So I guess what he's saying is that if she gives him what he wants, he won't release the tape. So it should be interesting to see what happens here. And, of course, this is uh, yet another morality tale for our young people. If you don't want to deal with your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend um, blackmailing you with a sex tape, don't make a sex tape, Mm. especially if you're an international superstar. Now, of course, you could also suggest that maybe this is just a a lot of hoopla over something that her and Kevin are getting together on because, I mean, did Pamela Anderson benefit from her sex tape? I think she probably did. Did from she a, from benefit a PR sense, yeah. I thought she was behind selling that. I thought that like her and Tommy were sort of secretly behind. I don't know the that. answer to that. I, mean, I don't know either. I didn't if it really, was a secret, how the hell would I know? I didn't really pay <laughs> that much attention to it myself. But she's worried she'll become infamous, like Paris Hilton, whose homemade sex video was put on the internet by her ex and became one of the world's most popular uh, uh, downloads. Well, now Paris is infamous because the only thing that she's really done. Is a sex video, and it and launched the sex her career. Well, it, it launched her career, but Britney Spears had a career from the beginning. But she doesn't have much of one now. She could get it back anytime she wanted. Mm. I don't. I absolutely. Britney Spears has a saleable you name. Think she still got it. I don't know whether she has it or not. Um, but she has a saleable name. She's going yeah. to be able to get um her next album. Uh, right. You know, b- b- cut or whatever. Sure. Well, Michael and, Jackson can cut a new album too. It doesn't mean it's going to sell. 
It doesn't mean that it's going to sell. Right. That, it certainly doesn't, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, those are the chances you take. Federline has bragged to his pals that his X-rated tape shows the Oops, I Did It Again singer performing a series of explicit acts. The homemade video is believed to show the naked couple enjoying an uninhibited range of lovemaking and sexual games. It was made during the first weeks of their relationship two years ago when they were holed up in uh, some Beverly Hills hotel. Quote, at the time, the two of them were in the honeymoon stages of a relationship and couldn't keep their hands off each other. Obviously, that has changed since then. Uh, they did nothing all day but have sex and play the odd game of chess. I can't imagine Britney Spears <laughs> playing chess. But then again, don't know the girl. They did. Uh, they were insatiable, and they believed that they would be together forever. Britney didn't think twice about making the video at the time. She mistakenly believed that their love would last. They adored filming each other. They lived their lives in front of the cameras, even making a short-lived reality television show of their exploits. Sex was no different to them, it seems. Now this video could prove very, uh, very costly to her. Millions of people will be prepared to pay to watch. Kevin has told Brittany that she should comply with his demands. Otherwise, the whole world will see her having sex, which will be devastating. I don't know if I agree. I don't know that if this video comes out that it will be devastating. I think that it will just reignite... Uh, her career, she'll have to totally... I mean, if she wants to act like, like she's a goody two-shoes anymore, that's going to be out the window. Right. But she'll have to totally go into, uh, you know, dirty girl mode, basically, which is the direction she was going in anyway. So it seems to me like, um, you know, this might actually be a planned PR stunt on their part. Well, if it is, then um, it's being pretty successful because we're reading the uh, <laughs> the whole thing on the air. Well, that's just interesting. I mean, Britney Spears is a is an international phenomenon, right? I mean, she's... Yeah, she's worshipped by men all over the world, and of course, her uh, subsequent divorce is going to once again give them all that false glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, if they cross her path, she'll fall in love with them too. <laughs> well, then they can make their own sex video. She hasn't together. come to Keene, New Hampshire, so I know that that it's still <laughs> it's still possible for me. All right, so I don't really know if there's anywhere to go to this, but uh, I mean, beyond just, do you think that this is you know something that they're they're just playing? to try to get some publicity to relaunch her career does the uh does the tape really exist and uh is it going to well, damage a, her career there's a tape out there um of of Britney Spears doing some if it's very short the one with her all messed up is there, that the one you're talking about I, um the the one that I saw was only a, a few seconds long like um of her 30 doing seconds what? long she was uh Pleasuring her man on No, there's not. There's no tape like that. Somebody claimed it was, and it certainly looked like her to me. Yeah, you're talking to there's like some porn clip out there that's oh, that's like that that. looks like her. A girl that, that looks like her. Well, well she really did look like her. Yeah. I mean I could so, be wrong. So do you think this would hurt her uh her I guess stardom? Will it hurt her chances at relaunching her career? Or will it actually actually help? I think the latter. And I'm a little suspicious of all this. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. How is Madonna it didn't have to do it? How is it relevant? I don't know. But nonetheless, it is interesting and very dirty. More and, on the way. And, and Mark's grinning from ear to ear God, right now. Thank God Cher hasn't done Just it. thinking about getting his hands on this and his hands on something else. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. 
And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The Shrine of Female listeners awaits you. Britney Spears, our newest Shriner. Okay, no. No, she's awesome. not. But she is in the news, and there are a lot of ladies that have sent in their validated photos. And uh, I think a number of them are more attractive than uh, Ms. Spears. I think she's sort of... I think she's uh, she's over she's I think she's jumped the shark at this point. What? And the only way that she can Britney save Spears her career. Britney jumped the shark. The only way she can you, you jump the shark when you get knocked up in in the TV world. When a a, preg, a, a character gets pregnant in a, te- a television sitcom for instance, it typically jumps the shark right then. I don't think that's true. Now, um jumping the shark is a reference to the Happy Days episode where Fonzie actually went down to Florida mm-hmm. and had a motorcycle and uh, part of the uh, episode was he jumped a shark. It wasn't a motorcycle. It was on a jet ski or something. Was it on jets, a jet yeah. ski? Did they even have those things in 1950? Not a jet ski. It was uh, He was skiing, water skiing, behind a boat. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, On skis. I thought it was, uh, I guess I got confused with the uh, motorcycle. But yes, he jumped the, the shark, and yes. ever since that has uh, added itself into the... Uh, TV nomenclature yes. for, you know, when a show has outlived its, uh, I don't know, when it's relevant. Yeah, well, it essentially has, um, it has hit its peak. Mm-hmm. When when the show hits, uh, any television show hits its apex or its peak, and then tries to continue on past that peak, yeah. that peak, after that peak, is jumping the shark. So, uh, Well, MASH was 12 seasons. When do you think they jumped the shark? I don't know. I wasn't watching. Okay. I was a, gle- a gleam in my parents' eye at uh, during some of that. When did it, when did that end? Late uh, mid eighties? I don't know. Mash was genius. It, I, I'm, I it was still a good watch show. It on, I, yeah, uh, I've seen reruns. I've seen some episodes. Um, anyway, we're talking about Britney Spears and uh, how it is that apparently her ex husband or soon to be ex husband is threatening to release a sexy tape uh, that they made apparently during their honeymoon. Allegedly, it's allegedly four hours long and shows all sorts of revealing things about Miss Spears. And of course, my question was. Is this going to be negative for her career? Should the tape come out, or is it going to be a boon for her? Is it going to be? Uh, is it going to help propel her back into the limelight? Except this time as a more uh, dirty, uh, dirty girl, basically. That's my question. Let's go to the phones and talk to Mark in Texas. Uh, I didn't think anybody was actually going to answer it because we don't normally talk about these things, pop culture issues. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Okay, three things. Yeah. Number one, the jump the shark thing was, uh, yeah, Fonzie was being pulled behind a speedboat, and the shark was in like a cage thing. He, so he and was on he, skis, or he was on a motorcycle on skis? No, 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 no. He was he was being pulled behind a speedboat on water skis, mm-hmm. okay. and he jumped over like this cage thing okay. that had he landed in it, he would have, you know, landed in the shark cage. He'd have been shark food. Gotcha. Yeah, right. He's chum. Second thing, the the... Britney Spears' sex tape that's been leaked that you're talking about, Mark, yeah. is a total farce. It's, it's been farce? defunct already. Okay. Um, there, it was a young actress, and it was just a bad video that kind of the girl looked like Britney Spears. She sure did. <laughs> yeah, she does. Don't get me wrong. She, she totally looks like Britney Spears, but it's not her. Gotcha. So if there is a sex tape out there, it has not been leaked out yet. Mm-hmm. And if K-Fed's got it, then it's going to actually hit, you know, uh, yeah, if he gets his 23 million pounds, hey, great. Do you and think the third that, thing. Do you think that, that the, before wait, the wait, third wait. thing, do you think that if uh, she gives him what he wants, and that is a $16 million settlement uh, and the kids, custody of their two two children, if he gets what he wants, do you think that it'll somehow leak out anyway? Uh, yeah, because <laughs> the money just, that comes from that is just insane. Yeah. I mean, look at the Pamela Lee and Tommy video. They just, I mean... 
that the, the revenue generated from that alone was was and if they split it well it, why, uh, why is there revenue a though? lot of money why is there revenue though um i mean by the, you wouldn't have to pay agents or anything like that on this so you would just get the straight revenue that's great but why is there revenue they're sold on websites i thought they were in free. dvd form on the, I, i've seen them well, they're pirated just like anything else oh but well, they're primarily I wouldn't even know how sold you would buy them you go to porn sites and DVD well, stores. Here's the ch- I would say that um, if you see the video out, then you know that they were in cahoots in order to uh, you know make each other some money or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you don't exactly. see the video, then um, chances are good that uh, Britney really didn't want it released. And he kept and, his word. Yeah. And, well, I mean, either way, she could kill him. And that's the thing I said. She could get him in the divorce. He wouldn't make any money off the release. But he was going to release uh, it after the divorce. I, but right. What I'm saying though is she would get the original or whatever. She would get um, that would be in the divorce decree. Is that you can at no point release this video. You are the only one who has it. You can at no point release. But he may it. not be the only one who has it. Whoever has it would have um, let it go already. Maybe, maybe not. You. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that the, the whoever has it would have let it go already because there's just too much money to be made right. off of releasing it. So I would have let it go. Uh, please, I, if I had it right now. Send me the 26 mil. Yeah, you let something else go. Uh, Mark. Exactly. And, and the last point is, uh, Mark, when is your speed bag video coming out? My which bag video? What? Your speed bag video. Oh, my God. What does that mean? I think that the, I don't Come think we'll find speed out. Bagging. Oh, you know there's a video out there. Speed bagging? Speed bagging. Speed That's, bagging, baby. It sounds like a sport, but I don't know if I want to know what it, uh, what it, what it's about. Well, a speed bag you, is you in never boxing. You hit, um, you hit the little, the little bag that goes. Ah. That's right. I can't Mark imagine. A little bag, baby. Thanks for the call, Mark. With, we with, appreciate it. With his, uh, with the way he's Enough talking about it, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, I can imagine what other little bag he's re- uh, referencing. Yeah, I, I, I can Since imagine. We were talking about. Now sex. I've hit the speed bag plenty. But I don't know what he's talking about. There's certainly no video of it. 800-259-9231. Well, I know there's probably some video from the weekend. Uh, Tokyo, thousands of game fans queued for hours. Braving Tokyo's early morning chill and occasional showers as Sony's much-heralded and delayed PlayStation 3 game console went on sale on Saturday. The PlayStation 3 is the latest entrant in the near $30 billion video game industry and will be fighting Microsoft's Xbox 360 on sale for the past year as well as Nintendo's Wii, which will be in U.S. stores next week for market share. This is my favorite quote of all time from, uh, from any sort of gaming article. I have been waiting for this day to come for so long. I'll play it all through the weekend. No time for meals, said hardcore gamer... <laughs> Said, said hardcore gamer Tomokai Nakamura, who already owns a PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation Portable Handheld Machine, and an Xbox 360. He was one of uh, about 1,200 uh, people in the meandering line around the electronics retailer Bit Camera's flagship shop in central Tokyo. Now, considering that quote, Mark, I've been waiting for this day to come for so long, I'll play it all through the weekend. No time for meals. How it... old is Tomokai Nakamura? Well... Um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, a, a serious, dedicated gamer could be any age from 14 to 34. How old is Tomokai Nakamura? I'll cut that down the middle and say 24. 41 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's serious. Yes, he is. Let's see. Seriously, now, not going to eat. He he was how in old? order to maximize his playing time. How old was he when the Atari 2600 came out? Uh, the 2600 was what 1979, something 70, like that. 80, 1980. Because uh, I've noticed that people that are older than I am, I'm on the very cusp mm-hmm. of the video game generation. 
the 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 oldest of the video game nuts out there. Yeah. Um. The the the, the people out there that you would have are, been fifteen. You would have been fifteen. I so guess about right. Well, fifteen when when the twenty six hundred came out. Now it yeah. was expensive when it came out. Right. And not many people had them. I suppose it could happen, but. I, I don't know. That's that's stretching it. Anyway, um, most people older than me want nothing to do with video games. Most people right. my age or younger completely understand me playing video games. There's no there's no oh, stretch sure, to them. Sure, I just I just thought it was a very uh, juvenile sounding quote, and it was shocking to me that it was coming out of a 41 year old's mouth. That's all. I just found that funny. Anyway, further up the queue was Robin Sinclair, a 25 year old exchange student from Vancouver. Quote, it's the newest system, the latest and greatest thing, although the Nintendo Wii looks very interesting, too, said Sinclair, who waited for more than 12 hours in the late autumn chill to score one of the year's hottest holiday items. You know, I, I noticed that Sin- Sinclair doesn't get the uh, the patronizing yellow man uh, um, <laughs> accent that you had previously pushed, put on Mr. Nakamura. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it is taking place in Tokyo. <laughs> well, it is. And a name like Robin Sinclair, probably not so yellow. Yeah. Um, but anyway... I, I love. Are you it. sure it's not Lobin Sinclair? <laughs> I mean, I, uh, Sinclair. Sinclair. <laughs> I, we're going to hell. Anyway, but I love this stuff because uh, this is the time of year when people start to get crazy with their buying habits, and so this is the very beginning, of course, Christmas season. The uh, video game consoles coming out and apparently selling out. There's some more details here. This is a huge industry. We're going to get into it coming up. It's Free Talk Live. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. You take control. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Come and hear a speech by John Stossel entitled Enemies of Liberty. The three-day event is starting on February 23rd, going through the 25th, 2007. Early bird discount available now for a limited time. So register at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And also, don't forget to head over to our website at freetalklive.com and experience all of the features there completely free. But also, vote for the show. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com to cast your vote. Last time I looked, we were in second place, which means that we could be in first if you would go and vote at vote.freetalklive.com. In fact, every if every one of our listeners uh, actually went ahead and voted... If everyone just of our internet listeners went ahead and voted, we'd be number one, easily, all month long. We'd be number one, and we'd have more votes than they than anyone has ever had on that site. Which makes me wonder, uh, when it comes to our two, we have about 2,000 people that listen on the internet, they listen via podcast every day. Right. It makes me wonder, of those 2,000, obviously there's going to be a percentage of people that are going to vote, and we certainly appreciate that at vote.freetalklive.com. There's probably also a percentage that just says, eh, somebody I'm too else lazy, somebody else will vote for me, forget about it. That's but where I usually fall in anything like this. I, I mean to, or I want to, I'm positive towards whatever it is that I'm listening um, to, but I'm, I'm busy, yeah. and I get mine, and, well, they can go flip off if they want to get there. So there's obviously a percentage of the 2,000 that's those kind of people. But also, I think there's also a percentage of people that hate Free Talk Live. That listen? Like, yeah, what what percentage of the 2,000 uh, podcast listeners are Free Talk Live haters and would never vote, never even consider voting for Free Talk now, Live? Now, Rush claims that half of his listenership are people that vehemently dif- disagree with him. Mm-hmm. And 
when I listen to Rush, I generally vehemently disagree with him. Or when I am listening to him say something that I do agree with, I'm mad at him for not um, standing by the principle. Yeah, I agree. So, um, well, you know, maybe he's right on that. I don't know. So, back to Tokyo, Japan. The Japanese queuing up in a 1,200-person meandering line around Bix Camera's retail shop out there in uh, Tokyo. Further up the queue, let's see. Uh, in the countdown at 7 a.m., the store's opening, Ken Kutagi, the head of Sony's game unit, spoke to those in the queue. Quote, I'm grateful that so many people are waiting for the PS3. I hope you will enjoy the next-generation entertainment to your heart's content. The PlayStation has a Blu-ray high-definition DVD player, the Cell Microchip, dubbed a supercomputer on a chip, which provide lifelike graphics and the high-speed downloading of game software and video clips. They've also driven up production costs, dragging Sony's game unit into a deep loss for the year to March. BitCamera said all of its PS3 stocks were gone by noon um, and declined to say how many units they had sold. Tight supplies had been expected as Sony was able to ship only 100,000 units for the launch after a glitch in the blue laser diode production caused a delay. The electronics well, and entertainment conglomerate sold nearly a million units of PlayStation 2, the earlier version of the console, in the first three days of its Japan launch. So, only 100,000 units on its launch day. That's pretty sad. Sometimes that happens. Grand openings generally never go as um, as planned. The more money you have, the more likely that they will go as right. planned. Um, and they're Sony trying to a, shove it out the door, too. A great deal of money. But you can't forget, no one can discount that this is it for Christmas. This oh, yeah. is the Cabbage Patch doll. This is the Furby. This oh, is yeah. all that stuff um, for this particular season. And well, Sony's going to, if it's in the red now, by December, the, the, the December 31st, it'll be in the black. There's no way that they're not going to sell enough They don't enough make money PS3s. on hardware. No, no, you don't understand how the video game industry works. They lose money on not, hardware. Not initially on hardware. Just um, hardware, just after like the first year or something no. like that, when they bring it down. No. They lose money on hardware Look, and they make can all their money on at, software. They can, make this, they can price this thing at anything they want it's and they'll get true. it. It's not true. It's not true, Mark. The market does um, have some corrections here, and the Nintendo Wii and the Xbox 360 are what that is, or what those are. The, the 360 is a year-old technology. But not, Okay, maybe it is, but it's still a player. Uh, Sony has dominated the global video game industry for the past decade with its two previous models, but the iron grip could be loosened by the PS3's high prices. I've heard they're wanting 600 bucks for it here in the States when it comes out. That's yeah. pretty outrageous. And the strong performance of rival machines as well as competition from handheld games, the Internet, and mobile phones. The basic model of the PS3 sells for $425 after you do the conversion, almost double the price of the Wii, and more than a quarter higher than the Xbox 360. So you're, look, what you're looking at here, Mark, is some serious competition. Sony shoving this uh, game unit out the door, probably unprepared. Probably those 100,000 units probably have a bug in them somewhere. Um, and shoving that out the door, there's going to be a huge demand, and Nintendo's about ready to, to release their new unit, which is going to go on sale uh, on the 19th. The PS3's coming out in the United States on the 17th of this month, so just days away at this point. Nintendo following it up two days later with a unit that costs half as much. So you can say that the PS3 is the end-all, be-all this Christmas season, but for parents that are on a tight budget, like many uh, many parents who are, that are going to buy their kids something, they're going to be more likely to go for the Nintendo Wii, I think, at, the, at that price point. Uh, look, you're just looking at prices, though. That makes all the difference in the world. It makes a difference in a, in a look, tough economy. You can, you can go on eBay and get a 2600 for 25 bucks or something like that mm -hmm. if you want a uh, game system that's cheap. 
PS3 is going to put out the best game system anyone has ever seen. It is going... The graphics are amazing on this I thing. I guess you're going to be in line, huh? Hell no, I'm not going to pay that kind of price. It'll be a year and a half or two years before I get my PS3. Okay. Because I'm not so willing... So price is a factor, then? Price is a factor for me, uh-huh. but there's plenty of people out there that who isn't. Look, I told you about the um, the 360 thing, with Xbox 360. Yeah. When that came out, that a friend of mine, um, the my chiropractor, his wife went and stood in line at uh, Best Buy or something like that for, I don't know, hours yeah. in order to go get their one son um, an Xbox 360. Sure. Are you out of your mind going and standing yes. in line to get your... No, no, no. Um, and you know, I wouldn't do it, and but the then kid, again, I'm not you know, 12 anymore. The kid, he, the 12-year-old wasn't standing in line. <laughs> it was a 40-something-year-old. Well, he's got them wrapped around his little finger. That's, the, that's the God's honest truth. And if, if he's got them wrapped around their, um, his finger, and he's a third child. He's he's not he's not an only child. Yeah, there they should have learned. Many by now. many many parents out there that um, had one kid, and that's their big investment, you know, that they have in life, and and they're going to take good care of him, make sure that he's happy. And the good and news, though, this kid never ever gets used games. When I buy a game, it's between I, I, I'm going out there when I buy a twenty dollar game. I may have bought one or two thirty or forty dollar games, but almost always my games are twenty dollars, ten to twenty dollars. Yeah. Because I'm waiting for them to come down. Sure. There's a Mar- like you. There's a Marvel superheroes one out there now that um, I want to have, but it's forty bucks, and I'm not going to spend that kind of money. And it's and it will come down. It so absolutely. Those of us who are down. patient, we know how to we know how to, to to play that. But but anyway, what you were wrong about, and I want to make clear, is that in the video game industry, when a new system comes out, usually the company that's producing it is losing some money. Maybe not a lot of money, but they're losing some money on that system. And they intend to and will make it up on software licensing fees. That's how they make their money. Because the idea is you lower the cost of the unit, the play unit, to as low as you possibly can without totally breaking the bank. Get as many of them into as many people's hands as possible. So then they go out and buy the software, which is where the real profit is. Because this this technology that's in these new game units is cutting-edge stuff. It, uh, and until they can really start to mass produce it down the line, they're gonna they're going to be losing money. They're probably well, making money on the PlayStation 2 now because the the costs have come down so much in the last what five years that it's been around. But they're not going to be making money no. on the sale. Uh, they're not going to be making be the money on the sale of uh, of the PlayStation 3 units. That's well, just how it works. Okay, that that's fine. Um, I'm just of the uh, you know it it sort of seems to me that uh, the costs come down over time, mm-hmm. and that was indicating to me that there was a certain profit margin in it. For instance, the PlayStation 2 came out, I think it was $300. You can bet that now there's some profit because the, the components have come down in price. Technology improved over time. And I'm, in fact, this is going to be one of the side benefits of these new systems coming out and, and competing for the top dog position, is you've already seen PlayStation 3 dropping in price. So I'm betting you're going to see a $99 price point for PlayStation 3 by Christmas season. It's already at like $129. No, PlayStation PlayStation what? 2, thank two. you. Okay. Uh, I, I, it's already at $129. I think they're probably going to drop it again. I paid $150 when I got my second one, my first one. Uh, had the same problem they all have is uh, the little the drive things broke and at some point it would just stop reading. Let's go to Bowie in Philly. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Bowie. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's hey. on your mind? Um, well, you guys are talking about uh, how the Xbox 360 is a year old, mm-hmm. so the PlayStation 3 should, in theory, be a lot better. But I've, I've been doing a lot of research on the two, and believe it or not, the Xbox 360 is actually better hardware-wise. Why is that? Um. It's got a more powerful graphics card, and the processor's 
just about equal with PlayStation 3. Now, and I, I was looking... looking I've had an Xbox 360 in my house. I didn't own it. Um, but I was, you know, the graph. I've seen the graphics on that, and then I've seen the graphics that they show for the um, PS3, and, um, man, it, it seems like a world of difference to me. Well, I was looking at... Um, the thing is, Xbox 360 hasn't used its full potential yet. Mm, I see. Yeah, and it's all about the software. At... Anyway, if you want to hang on, we'll bring it back. 800-259-9231. only had a short time there. Hour three's coming up. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Hour number three, the Monday edition. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet eight toll free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And, of course, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give it away. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Last hour, we were talking about the re- uh, the release, the launch of the PlayStation 3. Um, it's uh, The video game industry has grown into such... A huge business. I mean, you know, when it when it started up, it was it was cool and neat and wow, really special little blocks on the screen. But now it's tri- just grown into something just huge. Well, that's tremendous. why that's why the um uh, this is news. I mean, yeah, there there aren't many shows out there talking about it, but you'll find just about every morning show in America talking about the newest movies that are coming out this week, baby. Sure. And, you know, you're, a successful movie is going to make $20 million. Mm-hmm. A successful a six, game... No, a blockbuster movie makes over $100 million. Yeah, I understood, but right. um, many of these games make that same kind of oh, money yeah. and, and some. Mm-hmm. Um, most games, are, the big games are bigger than the big movies. Yeah, well, without having to pay, They make the money without having to pay big-name Hollywood stars... You know, $20 million to be right. in the game. A lot of the voice work on there, non-union. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're, that's one of the reasons we're talking about it. Also, because I've been a video game fan for all of my life, and um, you've been a video game fan for a lot, good chunk of your life. Yeah, well, life. I mean, yeah, as long as I can remember, we had a 2600 when I was young. I and, don't know how young. And it's always been interesting to watch from, you know, the, the market perspective of these video game companies, relatively unregulated as far as, you know, maybe their machines have to pass FCC spec, but that's that's about it as far as them not interfering with other devices. They pretty much can, can create whatever sort of... Uh, hardware they want to and so it's interesting to watch them battle it out for market share and see what sort of features they offer at what price points and who survives and who doesn't now of course the playstation 3 is coming out in a matter of days it was launched in japan over the weekend it's coming out in a matter of days in the united states i believe november 17th the expected launch day the nintendo wii is going to be coming following in on its uh, footsteps there and on the 19th so you're looking at some really hot and heavy competition uh, this particular Christmas season, I say, the place, I say the PlayStation gives Wii its butt. Um, Nintendo I, is 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 an old player. It's a fighter that's uh, that that's seen its heyday, and uh, I just don't I don't see it. I don't know about that. I mean, they're coming out with a unit that's at half of the price point as the uh, the PlayStation Three, and as we are just getting to with um, with Bowie in Philly, we're going to bring it back on here. It's Bowie uh, was pointing out how he believes that the Xbox 360 is a superior machine to the PlayStation 3. Now, the Xbox 360 has been out a year. And it's been out for almost a year. And I wanted to point out that according to the... And you said you've done a lot of research, Bowie, but I just did a bit of research here um, during the the news break. And it looks to me like 
the PlayStation 3's got four extra processors involved in it. I mean, there's like seven processors involved in this machine compared to the Xbox 360's three. There's some similarities between the two. I think they're they're definitely going to be in a in a heated competition. But regardless of whichever one is technically superior, that's not a really as much of a factor as is the quality of the games. Because really, it's all about gameplay as as opposed to the hardware inside the machine. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the graphics card in Xbox 360 is a little better than the PlayStation 3, and the processor is a little better in the PlayStation 3 than the Xbox 360. So they're almost identical as far as the graphics they can put out. It, mm-hmm. it all comes down to the games. And, I mean, you're right. The Nintendo Wii is definitely priced a lot cheaper, and I think that the tie for second place is going to be between Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and Nintendo is going to take the lead because, A, wow. it's cheaper. Why? You think, the, B, you think the price point is the primary issue? That, and there's an awesome game coming out for Nintendo Wii, too. What is it? Uh, it's called Mark's Purple Helmet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Oh, you do. 800-259. Somebody's got it in for you, Mark. They do. You know, I was... I, I just, the boss that, fight? Thanks for the call. The God, I'll let you go. <laughs> oh, board up. You can't let him do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, he... I, I couldn't even imagine um, that the Wii, that we could beat uh, PlayStation Two for that matter. It doesn't what are you seem... talking about? Beat as in uh, uh, hardware quality, or well, beat if, in if the as only in sales? Thing, if the only thing that um, well, we doesn't have the uh, the hardware to compete with PlayStation Obviously Three or Xbox. Not. It's half the cost. Well, and PlayStation Two is half the cost of it. And mm-hmm. PlayStation 2 has all these games that you can buy, right. and the gameplay on it is awesome. Well, now, the Wii is supposed to be uh, pretty revolutionary. I haven't done a lot of research on it, but just from this article from Wired, it's uh, expected to go on sale on November 19th in the United States. And this is a little unusual. It's actually launching in the U.S. before it launches in Japan. Hmm. That seems a little backwards to me. It features a one-handed controller that looks like a television remote really? and uses motion detection sensors to allow players to control the game by wielding it like a sword or swinging it like a tennis racket. So now that could either bomb big time or it could be really awesome and revolutionary. It could it could be either because uh, you know when uh, Nintendo had its little uh its ugly little controller that it started out with that was totally different than any controller that had been seen up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember what that Nintendo was the called. NES? I think that was the, the that one. was their first unit. Yeah, like the well, the one with Zelda on it. Yeah, and that kind of NES. Stuff. Nintendo Entertainment System. That controller was completely different than anything else that had been out at the time. Yeah, and it had what two buttons on it? <laughs> no, it had. Um, I thought it had a B, select, start. Yeah, and then, and then like a direction. Left, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, up to that point, it was this awful joystick thing mm-hmm. with a button or two on it, right? Depending on what system you had. Good point. So it can it could work. So there's a number of factors in play here. There's uh, the hardware is important because if you're going to be pushing the limits, you've got to have good hardware. But the games are going to be critical, and uh, and the revolutionary design of these uh, these controllers might be a huge factor. And of course, only the market will be able to tell, you know, who's going to come out ahead at the end of the Christmas I'll tell you, season. It better be one revolutionary controller mm-hmm. and it better totally change video gameplay to get me to come up off PlayStation. Yeah, really I am such to. a dyed in the wool Sony PlayStation fan, I just can't imagine. <laughs> You're fanboy. Uh, well, it's, just, it's great. <laughs> 
Uh, but you're not going out and buying this thing. You're not. Gonna I'm not going to go out and buy anything. Right. I, it seems to me crazy to get in, uh, get in on the ground floor, um, play with all the bugs. And, Thank goodness uh, people do, though. I mean, if it weren't for those ground floor, uh, those low-level adopters, the the first first adopters, then nobody would have games to play. So thank goodness for those of you that are going to go out and plop $600 down on the PlayStation 3. Now, it was interesting. We looked, I think, at the, when the Xbox 360 came out, we looked at a comparison of video game release prices over time. For instance, um, back, in the, back in the early 90s, the SNK company put out the Neo Geo. Oh, I don't which, remember this. Uh, yeah, well, you probably don't remember it because its price point was about a thousand bucks. Oh. Uh, the the game system itself was approximately eight hundred to a thousand dollars, and the games themselves were up to two hundred dollars a pop. I mean, it was just nutso believing that anybody would actually pay these prices. And this was back in 1990, so a thousand dollars in 1990 double what a thousand dollars is today. And as you might imagine, the system totally bombed out. But nonetheless, people don't realize that inflation goes on, and they're still going to feel like $600 is a lot of money, because it is. I mean, people are still taxed to death. They don't have a lot of money uh, left over just sitting around. So a lot of people are going are gonna to have a tough time swallowing that PlayStation 3 price point. And well, that may really affect its Christmas sales. The, the thing is, though, um, the, what's nice about the 600 what's smart about the $600 price is the PlayStation 2 came out at, I think, $300. I can't tell you it's for sure. Probably just above that or somewhere around there. Um, that's what I recall it being, but that doesn't make it right. And what what did the uh, the Xbox come out at? I think it was $500, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was up there. It was up there. Well, what, 600 500 600 it's Oh, it's going to sell. Xbox blew the doors off of yeah. anything that uh, came out. Xbox was also a beast too. Have you ever seen one of those in person? Yeah, huge. It's not that big. Oh, it looks—it's like the size of a computer. So what? It's it doesn't matter how big the console is. I understand that, but I mean, there was actually some pictures online of the uh, PlayStation 3 next to the Xbox 360, next to the uh, next to the Nintendo Wii, and the Wii is is tiny in comparison to the other two. Uh, size doesn't really matter in this particular uh, arena, I don't think. When when you're talking about something new like that, it, the console size doesn't matter. It, my TV is gigantic. I can put uh, you know stuff either in the cabinetry or I can put it above it. So do we have any uh, do we have any fanboys out there that are going to be standing in line on November 17th or camping out at your local Best Buy or Circuit City waiting for the midnight sale, the midnight madness release? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight toll free line. Dave in New Hampshire is on the line to tell us his tale from earlier today. Robert, coming up, your calls as well. You make them. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The Monday edition. The t- uh, packet eight toll free line for you is one eight hundred two five nine. 9231, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give it away, uh, including the archives. An entire year's worth of the show awaits you easily downloadable front page of the website for your convenience at freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd to the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get registered and learn more. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we go to the phones, to the fun, let's talk to Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Why do you guys always assume that talking to me would be fun? 
Well, <laughs> we have fun talking to everybody, Dave. Now, in case you missed the first hour of the show, we pretty much spent the entire first hour recapping what happened uh, in the courtroom and outside of the courtroom today. So I think we pretty much covered everything, but if uh, I, I don't know if you were listening or not. Were you? No, I wasn't. Okay. I mostly just listened by archives. At this point, I think our listeners might be more um, interested to hear you maybe speculate on what your options are, what you're going to do in the future, because just to simply recap, you went to court today uh, in order to face a charge for a $150 or $125 charge for allegedly distributing handbills on federal, so-called federal property. You, you, you took a good shot at arguing the uh, Constitution, essentially saying this is a violation of the Constitution. The judge pretty much uh, didn't want to hear it, and he railroaded you into a fine. And he, he, you walked out of the courtroom with the judge essentially saying, you can either pay this fine or you can appeal the case. And uh, have you sort of had a chance to ponder this at this point, Dave, and, and make more of a, uh, I guess, informed decision on what you're planning on doing? Yeah, I've thought about it some, and it's like I told the judge, you know, I said uh, that, you know, appealing to me, you know, I, I didn't appeal to get to the court in this case. They just told me to appear. Mm -hmm. you know, I, they, they told me before I had to appeal or pay the fine, but I didn't feel comfortable doing either. So they just set the court date for me. So I felt like I didn't have any choice. And right. I had to go. And thus, since I didn't have any choice, I didn't, I wasn't responsible for the hearing taking place. It wasn't my fault the hearing took place. Uh, but if I appeal, there's a for me there's a little bit of a moral question there because like it's like I'm forcing taxpayers to pay for the appeal is my concern. See, I gotta say I agree with uh, most of the other people that were there today, and and the taxpayers are paying for the court system whether or not you appear in front of the appeals court or not. If you don't yeah. file that appeal, Dave, those bureaucrats are going to sit around and have nothing to do that day. So instead of the taxpayers paying them to sit around and do nothing, at least they'd be paying them to sit around and hear your case. And that could possibly overturn the ruling and therefore set a, you know, maybe a precedent that allows people to distribute handbills on uh, federal property. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's like I told the judge, I said, I'm not telling you I'm not going to appeal. Maybe I will, but I just I feel uncomfortable about it. But, yeah, what his response is just the same as yours. He's, to his credit, he said, oh, they're not doing anything. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, just, I thought uh, that was sort of a subtle way of him. I, he wasn't uh, He wasn't. Tip he wasn't a really angry judge, nor was he a really friendly judge. He was sort of in between there somewhere. And I thought that was sort of his subtle way of encouraging you to go on with the appeals process. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of other people are, too, and maybe there's not that much to lose in it. Well, especially if uh, if a porcupine lawyer, if a Free State Project member is going to pick up your case pro bono, in that case, I don't see anything that – I don't see that there is anything to lose. Well, it, 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 even if there were no such person, just going in and fighting it out to to the end mm -hmm. without any hope of victory is still – is sometimes the right thing to do. Well, and think about uh, the other side – Again, as long as we get through this issue of the taxpayers, I'm just, I'm just not comfortable with anything that would cause taxpayer expense with think, me triggering it. Think directly. about the other side, uh, the other benefit here. I mean, again, we've already laid out that the, the they're going to they're going to get paid whether or not you appear. And as he pointed yeah. out, there's hardly anybody that uses the appeals process. As we all know, most people plea out like that lady did before you. They just plea out and they move on with their lives. Most people don't appeal. So I think it'd be a good idea also because um, I think you've already gotten a little bit of press on this. This, you know, taking it to the next level may guarantee a little bit more press coverage and so on and so forth. I mean, this may be a good thing overall for the Free State Project movement or NHFree.com or just basically promoting liberty in the in the state of New Hampshire. Maybe so. And it's like I always tell cops when they 
want to do something to me. I say, if you hurt me, it's going to be good for freedom, even if it's bad for me. Right. So in that case, so, I think you've got a lot to think about. Do you know what your time frame is? Because I know we all pretty much walked out of the court today, and you didn't go and talk to the clerk. Do you know how much time you allegedly have to pay this $125 assessment? They never told me, then. That's why I didn't pay it. <laughs> <laughs> I just left. <laughs> Uh, they said, you know, they said um, you must pay this blah, 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 fine, and you can pay it to the court clerk. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say anything really about that, and then I just left. No one ever tried to make me pay it that day. They didn't say when I had to pay it. I don't know but what was, the next step is going to be, but I presume if you don't pay or uh, or file an appeal within a certain period of days, they may set in a, a warrant for your arrest uh, without letting you know about it. That's what that's I'm concerned be, with. That's I'm concerned that they're going to be kicking in your door at some point if you don't do something. Anything is conceivable. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, I haven't said that I will not pay it. I haven't said that I will pay it. Sure, uh, and they haven't said how long you have to make that decision. It's, it's like well, bureaucrats, you have to extract information from them by asking <laughs> questions. They don't just volunteer the information. Dave, um, you know, the what happens when you, when you refuse to pay and you refuse to uh, file for um, a, an appeal is that you give the bureaucrats... Um, license to do whatever it is that they want. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people that would see um, your point in this, is that you know that they're illegitimate in what they were offering, but they do give you an avenue of redress, which is the appeal. And you choose not to take that avenue of redress, then um, a lot of people, most people, are going to say, well, he deserves what he gets, what he deserves. And what you're hoping to do is to show people that the government is evil and wrong. Mm -hmm. At the, it seems to me that you should take every avenue avenue of redress to that point. That's just my that's just the way I see it, and I'm generally the guy who, uh, you know, um, gives the middle of the road answer around here. But man, that's the way I see it. I agree with that. And plus, uh, you know, in the after um, the afterwards uh, luncheon that we had at the at the restaurant, I think there were some good ideas being thrown around. Is maybe some some points that were missed. Some interesting ways that the judge abs and just absolutely lied to you, like in the case where he told you that you had to answer that question. He just he just lied, um, bald faced lied to, to your face. Right, and I well I made a thousand mistakes just because I'm not a lawyer. You sure, know? right. Um, I didn't expect to make I didn't expect it, it to be any other, but at least I don't have any attorney's fees. Indeed. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, the whole idea about. Um, the whole idea about uh, you know appealing you know being necessary. I mean, it, you know, once if the issue of taxpayer expense is taken out of the question, then yeah, it does tend to make me lean towards appealing. Um, and you know, we could still have some fun with it, even if we don't win. Uh, and I would, I'm sure it's a long shot. I'm sure other people have tried this. I don't know. I mean, it's it may be that no one ever has. It may be that I mean, everybody that has been slapped with a distribution of handbills charge went ahead and just paid the fine and got it out of their lives, like most people do. I would I would sit down with uh, with one of those porcupine attorneys and and you know just sort of explore the idea with them and see what they think about it. You know, they may be able to say, you know what, Dave, no one has ever actually challenged this. And yeah. in that case, who knows, it could go to the Supreme Court and uh, could make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. As always, keep us informed, sir. 800-259-9231. We got Zach. We got Robert. We got Kurt. Your calls as well. Ladies, if you call in, you get put on first. 1-800-259-9231. That is the Packet-Aid toll-free line, and you can take control of the airwaves. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com.
help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 1-800-259-9231. That's the toll-free number, packet 8 toll-free line that allows you to take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. And it is Free Talk Live, the show that, well, you can take control of. Bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, we give them away, including the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Over 850 unique pages created by listeners just like you. wiki.freetalklive.com. Dot com. As we return to the phone calls, let's go to Zach in South Carolina on the Apple. Never mind. Let's try Robert in Tampa. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hi, Robert. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's up? I just wanted to disagree with Mark on something he said last week. Okay. Jeez, oh, I didn't um, well, back that far. Go ahead. Yeah, before I go into it, I just want to like, uh, preface it with a like, uh, qualifier. Um Generally, when something is, you have a lot of something, the the value of it goes down. Correct. Supply so, being high, sure. Yeah, and if you have a scarce amount, generally the price goes up, right? Or the value of it, the demand, the certainly that that is an effect. Presuming that there's a, a high demand, uh huh, sure. Right, like gold or diamonds, because they're so scarce, they're very they're a very high a big commodity, right? Okay, sure, yeah. Well, last week, Mark was complaining, was, was arguing with you, Ian. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little shaky here. That's all right. That, uh, that uh, he could not believe in the after, or having no afterlife because he thought that becoming worm food was just absolutely uh, an unacceptable thing to think about. Do you remember that? Well, I remember using the term worm food, but I don't exa- um, but go on a little farther. But my point is, uh, I agree with Ian. I think that uh, having no afterlife is probably the ultimate, most life-affirming way to look at life. Because uh, people who don't believe in an afterlife, they believe that what they have is what they got, and they got to make the best of it. Interesting point. When you said that – I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, Mark had accused me of being a nihilist for – for believing that there was nothing, you know, nothing else after this life. But you're indeed saying that the opposite is the case, since this is it. Um, make the most of it. Uh, I, li- I like what you're saying. I yeah, I, I'd say that you're making a strong point in the direction that he wouldn't be nihilistic um, by believing that there's no afterlife. Right. Uh, okay. You were saying, Mark, that because Ian believes there's no afterlife, that ultimately there's no point to anything. And I just think that uh, people who believe there's no afterlife, life is everything to them because that's all they have. Great point, Whereas Robert. People who have people who have an who believe in an afterlife, they think they have. Uh, what's this? What's I mean? Life is probably inconsequential to them because I mean, the little speck of life on their timeline that is their life is really just like a little blip on that that timeline. It's just it's. Eh, yeah, you know? they don't. Maybe they hold back on enjoying some of the things they might have wanted to enjoy simply because their religion dictates against it. And in the hopes that long term they're going to have this uh, this heavenly experience that will last forever. Well said, Robert. And we uh, we appreciate the call. Uh, thank you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I gotta agree. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not against uh, what he was saying there. That's the packet eight toll free line for you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Kurt in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Kurt. Good evening, gentlemen. How hey. are you tonight? Good. What's up? Um, well, I'm a recent uh, uh, amplifier. Excellent. Uh, I, I, in fact, I was the guy who sent you the choice of three names to put down on the uh, on the list of amplifiers. 
have I actually processed you yet? Because I'm a little behind. If uh, if you are a new amplifier, my apologies. If yeah, actually, actually on the list, I am Dick Fitzright. Okay, great. Um, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about DROs. I, I, I defense I, resolution I, organizations. I believe is what that stands for. Yes, I I, uh, I included a couple of questions with my email, and then I heard how backed up you were, so I figured I'd call in and, and bring it up. Great way to get your yeah, that is by the way the best way to get your issues addressed on Free Talk Live is to pick up the phone. Emails are nice, but I can't guarantee we're ever going to even get to them. So uh, what what about them? Well, I was listening to uh, Stefan Molayu, his first two podcasts pretty much deal with how the judicial system and the stateless society would work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I guess from what I from what I ascertained from it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, each person would have the opportunity to buy a blanket policy that covers pretty much most of the mundane transactions of their life, buying gas, buying food, um Whatever, you know, uh, cover you in case you get into any type of dispute with any type of vendor, uh, provider of service or goods. Now, I want to make something clear here. As you're explaining this, I'm pretty much learning from you because I haven't listened to Stefan Molyneux's podcast. I've read a few of his articles in the last few years. It's actually been a while since I've read a DRO-based article, so... Really, I'm gonna I'm gonna comment as as well as I can on this, but I'm not a, entirely familiar with his concept. This is a Stefan Mold new concept. He is a a brilliant thinker. No, um, no doubt, he's is a very interesting guy to listen to and to read his stuff. In fact, he's currently advertising on our website at uh, at freetalklive.com. I think it's like the first the second banner on the page. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear what he has to say, it'd be a great way to do it. But what was your what was your point? I would I would assume you would not get a separate policy every time you buy gas or every time you drive on a road or every time that you contract business with somebody, I would assume you would you would buy an, an umbrella policy to cover, the, like I said, the more pedestrian transactions in your life, and you'd either have a card or a mobile speed pass to show that you are one of the insured. Mm-hmm. And upon purchasing gas, food, or getting a service, I would imagine you would present this card to indicate to the person to whom you are transacting business with that you are covered in case of a, of a resolution. Um, and Possibly. Well, I, I'm just wondering, well, because he said that there are people, you know, you could drop off if you want. If, if you did not have a DRO, uh, that, you know, you may not be able to purchase food or you may not be able to get a the privilege of way through a, a property because, you know, obviously you don't have any type of of uh, resolution coverage at the time that you are going through. Mm-hmm. You are self-insured. And he also said that this might be a, a means by which to, ascertain who could be the more criminal elements because these are people who don't want to carry a DRO. Yeah, his whole suggestion is that uh, is that the entire society would enter into this voluntary defense resolution organization concept where people would essentially pay uh, a, a certain monthly fee or whatever to this is what is basically a large insurance company or competing insurance companies in order to have themselves insured in a variety of ways, as you described, a variety of transactions. Uh, there would also probably be some sort of a reputation rating that would go along with one's uh, one's insurance. Maybe that would be a separate company, for instance. That way, if you screwed somebody over, your reputation rating would take a hit, and therefore um, people would be less likely to deal with you. I don't know if I agree that Molyneux's uh, DRO concept really is going to be something that the market is going to respond to, because it just... 
it, it's it's so uh, it's such a grand scheme. I just don't know if you, you know, could credit, roll that out. Credit um, scores are a grand scheme too, right? I mean, and they they seem to work just fine. Well, I like but the it, idea of having a reliability rating, a reputation rating, sort of an alternate an alternate credit score as to whether or not you actually keep your word. That sort of a rating, and I don't think that we necessarily need to have a a DRO that everybody has to subscribe to in order to have this sort of protection system put in place. And I think with contract insurers and contract insurance as well, I don't know if it, if the market's going to play out that way. But it's an interesting concept nonetheless. What you're saying, what, what he's saying anyway, and what I'm getting from it is is, well, every transaction has the potential for dispute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't imagine you signing a contract every time you buy gas and every time you sure. buy food, every time you, you go from one person's private road to another person's private road. I would assume it has to be some type of umbrella policy with some type of identification card. And, I don't know and, if that identification card is going to really play out. I mean, I think that people like privacy. I don't know if they want to necessarily give it up I'm saying, in that way. It sounds, it sounds more like a national ID card the way he puts it, because if you don't hold it, you may be refused the sale of gas. Yeah. You may be refused the sale of, of, of food or the privilege of way. Well, I think it's ludicrous to take it to take it to such an extreme like that. I mean, for instance, uh, they're going to sell me gas if I've got cash. They're not going to care about what my reputation is. If I've got the money to pay for the product, that pro- that product's going to get sold. So the idea that the DRO is going to be an umbrella over all that, I think, is a little bit if extreme. They know that you don't have, if they know you don't have a, a dispute resolution organization, doesn't that give them the impetus to cheat you? Because, well, where are you going to go from there? I suppose. Again, I don't know if I totally agree with the concept as as he outlines it, but thank you for the call, man. I'm with you. Thanks. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Coming up, there's a new law in another country about stick figures and equality. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, and this is the Monday edition still. Enough time for your call if you make it now at 1-800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark? You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features there, totally free. Whether it be live streams, updates, the wiki, Shrine of Female Listeners, bulletin board system, we give it all away. That we do ask that you voluntarily support the program by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com, as over 300 of our listeners have done Sending us all of three bucks a month. Now, again, we give you the website for free, so this is just above and beyond all that. It's completely up to you. If you like the message of freedom and liberty that we're talking about here on a nightly basis on Free Talk Live, if you like Free Talk Live, you want to get Free Talk Live on more radio stations so more new people uh, can hear the show, more new Internet listeners as well, then the AMP program is the way to make that happen. Uh, and it is working. So get all of the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Apparently... There's a new law somewhere in the world, Mark, or, or I guess a proposed law about stick figures. What is exactly this? <laughs> what it's, is going on here? It's a short, short little article from Reuters. A Spanish town council has vowed to banish sexism from street signage by demanding half of all road signs and traffic lights show female figures <laughs> with skirts and ponytails. Well, isn't that discriminating against girls without ponytails? Absolutely. 
but uh, apparently that that's the way you show a woman in I stick see. figure land. So huh. I, I think that it's sexist <laughs> to show them that way. What about the uh, gals that have short hair and wear nothing but pants? Yeah. That look remarkably like uh, guys walking across the street. What about them? There's what nothing, about the guys that look like girls? There's nothing on a street sign that says, this is a man crossing the road. That's true. It's just a person. It, it certainly is. There's no dong hanging down between his legs to identify him as a man. Fuenlabrada, which lies south um, of the capital of Madrid, will replace old damaged road signs and traffic lights with new stock within a year. In this way, the sexism, which is now, um, in, in quotations I should say, in this way, the sexism, which is until now has only masculine figures appear in uh, traffic signals, will be brought to an end, the town council said in the statement. The council, which said it would ask manu- manufacturers to incorporate female figures in their sign so that there would be no tax, the taxpayers wouldn't pay a penny. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, it's just silly is so what wait, it is. So wait, do they want uh, the male and female together on the sign, or they just want a new sign with female uh, female figure? It, I think that they want half of the figures to be um, female, uh, whether it's, you know, they show I, I, half the figures. What does Fuen mean? Do you uh, know what that fuen? means? Fuen? No. Is it F-U-E-N? Yeah. F-U-E-N. Fuen la brava? La brava. Brava? Uh, yeah, with a D. Uh, inside of a Spanish word, the D is pronounced with a feta. Ah, gotcha. So there you go. Labrada. <laughs> That's so, silly. It's one. one I mean, word. there's no, there's no issue with that. Uh, it's just silly. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely really, silly so, and I, sexist. What they're doing is, uh, is sexist also because they're saying that women have ponytails and wear skirts mm-hmm. and. That's Whose just idea not was nice. it? Was it a woman's idea? I missed that part. It just says the town council. I see. This is all the research I have is these uh, like four sentences. Well, it's clear that the town council in uh, Fuenlabrada has uh, solved all of the imminent problems in the. Yeah, in they've that taken area. care of uh, t- taking care of all the problems. Right. Well, the thing is, is I'd rather have town councils addressing issues like this mm. than issues like uh, how can we spend your money. Right. Um, this one, in, in this particular case, it, it really won't t- cost the taxpayers any money. And as far as I'm concerned, they can make all the stick figures with skirts and ponytails, for all I care. Um, it, it, just, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Did you ever wonder what it was like, Mark, to live in an area, to completely change the subject, mm-hmm. did you ever wonder what it was like to live in an area where there was an insurgency going on? No, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine it. what no, the, I can't. mean, with it, where you've got an insurgent force and the U.S. military battling it out, and you just happen to be somebody who's living around that? I can hardly imagine. According to the McClatchy News Service, Fallujah has now been taken, uh, returned to insurgent hands for all of the <laughs> fighting and action and death and destruction that the at the United States, the hands of the U.S. military. The insurgents are now back in control in Fallujah. Uh, when insurgents hit a bomb in front of his house a few days ago, intending to use it against U.S. or Iraqi troops, Majid al-Rawi had only one option, move out. Quote, if I report it to the Americans, I will be killed by the men who put it there. Yeah. And if I don't, my family will either be killed by the explosion or the Americans. This is not a way to live. This is a way to hate life, said the car dealer. And and he's right about that. If the if a bomb goes off, the Americans, if the whatever ones are alive, pile out and start shooting at anybody who's in the, sure. the immediate vicinity. He says uh, two years apparently after the U.S. troops launched a devastating ground assault that purged at least temporarily the heart of the in- Iraqi insurgency, Fallujah once again is a violent place. In recent months, insurgents have filtered back into the city despite tight controls that limit access to only six uh, six checkpoints. 
Residents must submit to an extraordinary identification system that includes fingerprinting, retina scans, and barcoded identification cards. I didn't realize it had gone that far, Mark. I understood that yeah. they had ID cards, and I understood there were checkpoints, but it's apparently gotten even more police statish in Iraq. And remember, these are the things that they would like to bring over here to control the United States populace. The only thing that, that's in their way is the pesky United States Constitution, which they're doing their best at uh, decimating. An insurgent intimidation campaign has killed two city council members and at least 30 police officers. The campaign's been so effective that police patrols have all but stopped as officers fear to walk the streets. These are the big bad police officers supposed to protect and serve. But yet all it takes is a few well-placed bullets and phone calls and you've effectively destroyed the police department well, in Fallujah. Would, would scare me. Yeah. The number of shootings, bombings, and bombs found and defused has doubled since last winter to about four or five per day, says U.S. officers. There have been about a half a dozen car bombings in recent weeks. Residents and police alike complain bitterly that after two years, security is eroding in what has been what had been a U.S. success story. Quote, Bush didn't give us democracy. He gave us more new ways to be killed, said Al-Rawi. I think there is no future anymore. He doesn't anymore. sound like he's really happy about the, uh, the freedom that America has brought him. Yeah, no, he's not. Uh, he says, I don't think there's a future anymore. I believe the only future is to leave this country. We can win the war, but for now, Al-Qaeda has won in Fallujah, already. said a police officer who didn't want his name used for security reasons. They made the police force stop patrolling the streets, and that's a victory. Well, they didn't make you stop patrolling the streets. They scared you into stopping uh, patrolling the streets. If it's that easy to uh, subjugate a police department, boy, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? All you have to do is just kill a couple city council members and place a phone call to the police chief saying, if you, uh, if you leave your police station, you're going to be next. And these people want to stay alive. They want to keep sucking air, so they sure. go along with what the insurgents say. Um, well, they're not an army. Because, and get this, because insurgents target them at home, many officers are actually living in the police stations. Others simply quit. Well, what was I going to do? Uh, what was I going to wait for that would keep me on the force, said Mohammed Hamadi, a captain who quit in August after one of his commanders was beheaded. <laughs> nothing was going to get wow. any nothing was going to get any better. That's a tough job. I have children, and if I were to sacrifice myself, it wouldn't change anything. With more Americans expressing support for different policies in Iraq, Fallujah offers le a lesson in frustration. Until this August, it was relatively peaceful, at least by Iraqi standards, and then U.S. forces stepped up a campaign against insurgents in nearby Ramadi and added some troops in Baghdad in an effort to quell growing violence there. Some military officers here think that pushed the insurgents back to Fallujah. By mid-August, insurgent threats against, against and assassinations of police officers got so bad that half of the police force stayed home for several days. Many quit outright or moved into their stations. U.S. and Iraqi troops have nowhere near the manpower needed to take up the slack, said a uh, local lieutenant colonel, the senior advisor to the Army unit responsible for much of the city. Quote, we just don't have the manpower to maintain surveillance on the entire city. So clearly we need more troops, Mark. Clearly the solution here is to just fill the streets with American troops. Of course... We'd need to bring back the draft in order to get that to happen. And, you know, I wonder, now that old, now that the Democrats are in charge, maybe Charles Rangel can actually get his draft legislation passed. Oh, my God. Do you think he'll try to do that? Wouldn't that be crazy? I don't know what it would be. It would, it, it's something I hadn't even considered since the uh, election results came back on 
He tries it every Wednesday. year. He tries. He brings it back every single year. Oh, my. And it's usually voted down overwhelmingly. So I think the Democrats and the Republicans were, vote, were both voting it down. But you never know. Anyway, many uh, other factors that contribute to the insecurity. Fallujah is entirely nearly Sunni, and so is its police force. But Shiites dominate the army, which doesn't trust the police force and thinks that insurgents have infiltrated it. Many residents sympathize with the insurgents. At a clinic last week, word passed down the line of a woman who were of women who were waiting to see the doctor that a sniper had killed a U.S. soldier. One woman said, "I wish I'd shot him." To the approval of some others, U.S. commanders remain opt uh, remain optimistic because. That's the paid uh, official line. <laughs> you have to be optimistic, otherwise you'll be punished. But the outlook is bleak for police officers as they recount the slaying of the deputy police chief, the resignation of the other police chief, and the threats against and the killings of the other officers. One officer said, the future is vague, and I believe the war we're fighting is one of a kind, and no one knows what the results might be. Well, I can guess more innocent people dying for no reason whatsoever. It's Benny in here with you. And Mark. We'll be back tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. 1-800-Flowers.com wants to remind you Thanksgiving is November the 23rd. Try the Harvest Glow centerpiece from 1-800-Flowers, either as a gift or to decorate your table this Thanksgiving. The small is $49.99 and the large is just $59.99. Call, click, or come in for fresh flowers and gourmet gifts delivered same day, any day. Use code FTL to save 10% on your next order. That's FTL for a 10% savings. 1-800-Flowers.com, your florist of choice for the holidays.